We're fortunate to have basketball development coach Steve D'Agostino on today's podcast. Coach Dags has helped develop players of all ages and all levels since 2008. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yep. All right. He and his staff typically train more than 1,000 players per year. Coach Dags is also a court coach for USA uh, Basketball's junior national team and runs NBA pre-draft workouts for the NBA draft. Coach Dags, thanks for talking some basketball with us today. How's everything on the East Coast? Awesome. Everything's good. we got a snowstorm going on right now, so typical uh, December. Yeah. Well, we just uh, finished up our snowstorm and then we got into uh, sub Arctic temperatures. It was like negative 20 with the wind chill last night. So, yep, that's brutal. Yeah, it is. It is. So anyway, I want to get into this. I've been a big fan of yours uh, for a long time. And so uh, interested to hear uh, your take on some things. And so, first of all, if you can kind of this is kind of a background question, but what has guided your current philosophy as a basketball trainer and how did you get to where you're at today? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my story kind of starts in high school. I was an undersized guard. When I was in eighth or ninth grade, I kind of made a you know commitment to myself. I said, listen, I'm going to do something every single day that's going to hopefully help me become the best basketball player I could be um, and then see what happens from there. Like everybody else, I wanted to be a division one basketball player and obviously play professionally. Um, but I was small, five foot. You know, I was like five, six as a sophomore in high school, five, three as a freshman. Um so, you know, I, I did a workout every day. I lifted weights. I did plyometrics. I boxed. I played pickup, you know, and it was usually a combination of like two or three of those a day. This is before, you know, there were actually trainers and all that stuff. So I basically spent my four years of high school uh, training myself, uh, putting myself through workouts that I learned at different camps, like five star and all that. Um, but then also organizing my teammates and my friends to play, hey, playing three on three at my house. Thursday night, make sure you're there and kind of grouping guys together. So um, that kind of continued when I was in college. I was a two-time All-American at a Division II school in my hometown. Um, and then when, once I graduated and I played overseas for five years, when I would be home for two months, I just kind of started doing what I would do with myself with other players. So I would work, do my workouts with some college guys. I had a couple of high school kids that um, I would show them what I was doing and I'd put them through workouts. Then it, from there, it kind of took uh, off. And I know a lot of trainers don't do this, but my dad's a high school coach up here. And so um, I'm pretty good with a lot of the high school coaches. So two high schools hired me to be their uh, trainer in the off season, which nobody, you know, 12 years ago, nobody was doing that. And, uh, but it was the two best programs in our area and they ended up winning state championships and not because of anything I did, but it just kind of got people thinking like, Hey, this is what these guys are doing. Maybe we should try it. And you know, business kind of took off from there. So now we do camps, uh, clinics all year round, all over the country. Um, and then obviously I train young kids all the way up to uh, NBA players. So I was kind of wondering, uh, can you tell us kind of the difference of what you do with your business and then what you do with USA Basketball and how that how that differs? Yeah, so there's kind of two parts to uh, what I do. One is our our dad's basketball, which is like the local business. So in upstate New York here, we have three locations that we operate out of and we do small groups uh, workouts. We do individual workouts. We do team trainings and camps and clinics out of those three locations. Um, but then there's also like Steve D'Agostino as the trainer. So although I own the company and I run it and I'm trying to get my wife to kind of take over running the whole thing, um, I'm, I'm, you know, another trainer within the company and and so I'll go out and everything I do at USA basketball is not like Dags basketball. It's me, myself, um, Steve D'Agostino, and same thing with our NBA guys or our camps that we run 
kind of like outside the area. So um, the USA basketball stuff, I'm the, um, right now I'm the only skill trainer on staff for their junior national team. Um, they basically select a big pool of players depending on the year, uh, if they're under 16, under 17 um, uh, tournaments that are going on. So they'll select the pool. That pool will meet two or three times a year. From there, they'll get selected to try out for the under-16s or under-17s. Um, and so just like there's a pool of players, there's a pool of coaches as well, too. Most of them are high school coaches, really good high school coaches. Um, and I'm the only skill trainer on staff. So um, or I don't even like call myself a trainer, but skills coach or development coach, whatever you want to call it, um, uh, on staff. So I'm when I'm out there, I'm kind of putting together the plan for that weekend uh, on what the development looks like. All right. Uh, and if you don't mind me asking, can you talk a little bit about the business side of what you're doing and kind of, you know, I, we were kind of talking, your family owned a bit, owns a business. Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe you had that sense beforehand, but how important is it to have a good business sense if this is something that you want to do, be a trainer? Yeah, I think you got to embrace both sides, right? So number one, you have to be good on the court, but then you also have to be able to formulate a plan that makes sense, Um you know, that for if, if, if it's what you want to do full time, if it's something that you want to do part time as an extra way to impact players and, and make some extra money, that's easy enough. Um, but to have it be full time, there's there's not only the business side, but also the realization of like, you know, the 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 money in development is mainly the younger you go, the more money there is. Right. So, I mean, just like camps have been forever. Um, and so you have to be willing to train like my first four or five years, I was training 10 year olds and I still will. My, my daughter's nine. So, you know, I coach her third grade team and I really enjoy that age of like, they're, they don't know anything. So you're teaching them everything. And I, I, I really like that. Um, but most trainers think that they're going to be training NBA guys and, and college players right off the rip. And then it doesn't happen. Like, Oh my God, I got a kid that doesn't know how to play. And it's like, yeah, that's your job. Your job is to teach them how to play, you know? So I think there's the the on-court stuff, there's the business side, but then there's also that realization of like, hey, you're not going to be training LeBron and, and he's making you look good as a trainer. So, you know, one of the things that I think uh, you bring up is kind of that divide between a trainer and then the team that those uh, those kids are going to go play for. And so, you know, I mean, what do you see from your perspective and why is it so important for you to kind of say, hey, so these things that we need to do, like we need to get kids ready to play basketball? Yeah, 100%. So like I mentioned, my my dad's a high school coach. He he was a high school coach before I was born. Then he was, an, you know, an assistant when I was playing and then has been a, for the last 20 years a head coach again um, in our area. So I feel for a lot of high school coaches because there's a lot of outside noise. Like I have one coach that I work with and he had a really good point. He was saying like 20 years ago, if a kid came back to him after the summer, like in the fall and his shot was messed up or he was over dribbling and things like that, he's like, I used to only have to be mad at myself because I was the only coach that he was listening to. And now there's like a trainer, there's an AAU coach, there's his, his parents or, and so, um, I understand how hard it is to be a high school coach and to keep your message. So I think for us, everything that we've always tried to do, and then myself as a player too, like it doesn't matter if you can't translate it over into a game, right? That doesn't mean that everything that you do in your, in your training needs to be like, you have to see the translation, but the end goal is that you can play in games. 
that you're better for your team. Um, and so everything that we kind of do is, is centered around that. And, you know, I can't tell you the amount of conversations I have and people that I see that are really good at working out, like working out is like its own separate entity. There's some players that look awesome working out. Right. And then you see them in a game and you're like, what the heck is going on? You know? So we try to just keep in mind our, our end goal is that, you know, the player is, is being successful. Uh, more successful than they were on the court and for their team. And, you know, that kind of drives everything. And so is that a, a, a tenant or a big philosophy for uh, the Dags basketball? Yeah. So I have, so under Dags basketball, it's myself. It's um, a high school coach in our area who is younger. He's younger than me. And and he played at the same college, a division two school that I played at was a great shooter. Um, and he trained under me. So he like knows the philosophy. And then we have uh we have another trainer um, who played division three basketball, who's a really good scorer. And we all kind of have that same perspective. Um, and, and even the, the trainer that played division three basketball, he's an assistant on a varsity team too. So they fully, they've coached like the, one of my biggest pet peeves are like these trainers that have never coached at any level. And then you see them during the season and they're saying this stuff that coaches should do or how they should speak to players. And you're like, yo, you have no idea. Like, yeah, it's easy for you to sit up in the stands like, why aren't they getting a hand up on defense? You're sitting there like, you don't think that coach went over getting a hand up on a closeout a <laughs> hundred times this week, you know? So um, we have that perspective. And I think that's obviously why, um, you know, we we do business with a lot of coaches, but then also, you know, players and parents. So uh, Phil Beckner just asked the other day on Twitter a question that I know got a lot of response, and I know that you weighed in on it too. And he just said uh, he was in a conversation, and the person asked, what makes a great basketball trainer? So I'll ask you, what makes a great basketball trainer? So I think what I came up with there was, and that's a tough question because you could go a lot of different, you know, routes with it. But um, I put a trainer's there to help the player grow on and off the court. And really the only person that can validate that is the player. The player knows if they're growing, you know, the stats might not show it, you know, every game might not show it, but the player knows like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more professional. Um, um, I'm more efficient with my time. I feel better when I'm on the court. I feel like I'm more productive. You can see it in the games. So uh, to me, it, it, it can only be that. You know, I, I know someone put on there like results. Oh, okay. So if you have a, uh, you know, you have a player that doesn't do well, you're a bad trainer. You know, my, my whole thing with training is it's, you know, it's like the chicken and the egg. Uh, does the, does the trainer make the player or does the player make the trainer? I think every situation is different where you could say, you know, like if I all of a sudden go and work out LeBron James, am, am I a better trainer than I was yesterday? because I'm working out LeBron James or does LeBron James make me look like a better trainer, you know? Um, and so, so when you go down these rabbit holes of like results, like, yeah, you, you, the player needs to have production. They need to have results, but for every player that does well, that a lot of these guys have in their stable, there's another one that doesn't, that doesn't reach their potential, you know? And we got to face it as uh, I'll want myself in with trainers, even though I like being called a coach. We got to face it. Our control over situations are minimal. They're minimal. I know we like to think that we have like a huge impact um, and it's a 90% and I'm the reason why. And 
it's it's the player. It's the player that's controlling it. And hopefully that your vision is what gets what helps them get over the top. Uh, your relationship with them is you're able to be honest with them. That's helping them grow. But at the end of the day, the player's the one that's on the court that's got to put the ball in the basket, right? And and handle themselves well in situations. So um, like I said, to me, it's it's you grow, you help them grow on and off the court and and you know, they see that value in it. So that kind of leads me to the next question as far as what responsibilities do you have, uh, do the players have in their relationship with you as a basketball coach when you guys are working out? Um, Meaning like, are you ahead of time saying, Hey, these are the things that I want you to be ready to do, or, you know, just talk a little bit about what the player's responsibility should be. Yeah. So, so it depends on the, um, it depends on like the level of the kid and and how how old they are. But for for like our younger stuff, players know when they get in the gym, like we're gonna compete, so we're we're gonna learn how to be competitive. You're not you're not gonna worry about messing up, right? You're not gonna pout because we'll call it out and not in a rude way. Like I don't yell, um, but they know they're gonna get it's gonna it's gonna get pointed out, um, and they need to be focused. If they can give me those three things, all the basketball stuff can take care of itself. Um, with our, with our NBA guys and and I should say NBA players and college players, there's, you try to, and depending on how involved you are, like we have college players that I only see for like, I don't know, like a month when they're home during the season. And then like now they'll be home for like a day or two. So, so that's like a little looser, but the players that we're going to have, um, for pre-draft that I do like in season film with. We come up with a vision together. I can't tell them what the vision in I, is. I can give them my input and then collectively with them say, hey, here's who you are as a player. Like, here's where you make your money. Here's where growing opportunities are. Um, and then here's how we get there. And then they chime in and we come up with a plan. And then we hold ourselves accountable to that plan. Um, and so, so for me, the biggest thing is, if the player doesn't buy into the long-term vision, you're not really developing. You're just working out. But if there's a long-term vision to what you're trying to do, now all of a sudden there's development, right? It's not just like, oh, well, today this didn't feel good and maybe we should try. No, here's the plan. Here's the vision, you know, and um, and you may tweak it and adjust it. But that's very much like you said, like that's the responsibility of the player. Um, we're having, I'm having talks, uh, with one of my trainers right now, we're trying to sign a couple more NBA guys. And like, for me, I'd love to work with the worst shooters in the NBA. Give me the worst shooters. And like the only, the only thing that I have to make sure ahead of time is in a conversation that they're all in, they're all into like being focused and detailed. Uh, and if so, I feel like I can help them. And it's cool because I, you know, a lot of trainers won't touch them because it may make them look bad, you know, because it's difficult. Cause the risk reward isn't, isn't that high. So, um, but the reason I say that is because the buy-in has to be there from the player. What about, um, that vision for a kid that maybe is like, uh, and we're talking about high school here. That's maybe, yeah. uh, six, seven, eighth on the depth chart. And they're trying yeah. to break into, um, into, you know, that starting five. And, and I mean this question just kind of to get back to that idea of of team, like, you know, and their role and stuff like that. How are you working with a kid like that? Yeah. So uh, especially the players that come to us a lot, like we will see them like at least once a week or like once or twice a week. In some of our groups, you start having the conversations on um, 
on, on what they want, where they're at and what they want. So, so a kid may come to us and say, um, you know, I was, the I, I was the last person on the team last year and I need to work my butt off to even like try to get in the rotation or like you're saying, like I wasn't starting, but I want to be a starter. And to be honest with you, like, and this is where like training and development is wild because typically in a, a training session you'll have, you're doing your ball handling, you're doing your finishing, you're doing your shooting, but like, like coaches know this. That's typically not why a player is not playing. Like, do you sit in a stance and guard? Can you execute and understand plays? Do you rebound? Right. Can you do you understand the offense where you can snap the basketball move? And then, yeah, obviously you got to be skilled enough, you know. Um, so so what we do with being uh, we'll do a ton of one on one, two on two, three on three. That allows us to coach that aspect of it as well, too. So, yeah, we're going to improve your ball handling, your finishing, your shooting um, in the same like the same way you would get it within your system. But really, we're going to hone those things that like coaches really need from you and why players aren't playing. Like, are you taking care of the ball? Are you guarding? Are you rebounding? Um, and just like we said, just building that competitive nature in the players. How much um, of kind of your philosophy did you take from your dad? I mean, do you hear your dad sometimes when you're out there? And, and uh, you know, just talk about that and how he's kind of influenced you. Yeah, it's it's so interesting because listen, parents are crazy. I mean, you know, this; they're crazy. And so like, I'll get parents a lot of times that'll be like, man, like your dad must've been nuts. And I'm like, to be honest, my dad never once like ever forced me to work out. He, I wanted to go to five star. We went to, when I was in, when I was in fifth grade, we went to the university of Kentucky basketball camp. He was one of the coaches there. I played like any opportunity he's down, right? He's down. He'll give me every opportunity. But the only thing I ever remember him saying so like by the time I was in ninth grade in high school I don't think honestly I don't think I missed more than five days of a workout of of working out from ninth grade all the way till like I was done playing professionally maybe I'll give it like 10 days but I rarely miss a day but even but before that or on or when I was in high school the only thing he would ever say would be like hey did you get your uh shooting in today or you get your ball handling in and like if at the time it was like no he's like oh I'm sure somebody else is and then he'd go back to doing whatever else he was doing you know, but it wasn't like this forcing of like, you got to work out, you got to do this, you got to do that, you know? Um, but, but he was very suggestive. So like, uh, you know, he had a buddy who, who ran a boxing program. He's like, yo, what do you think about trying boxing, get your hand speed up and toughness and all that? I'm like, yeah, sure. And it was, it was the best thing that I ever did for, uh, you know, for myself. So he wasn't as a coach too, he wasn't, uh, pushing me to get in the gym. He wasn't even the one rebounding for me. Like to your point before, uh, in the summers, my last two years, my rebounding partner, the guy who worked out with me was literally the last player on our team was the last person to get selected for two years. But, you know, he worked out just, just as hard as I did, you know, to make the team. And it's actually a funny story. I told it on a different podcast, but it's too funny. So, you know, like you go on Twitter and everything's like a fairy tale ending. Like, look at this kid. Like yesterday he was picking up all the garbage and now he's hitting the game winning shot. And so, uh, so, and I'm like, that's eh, not like how life works, but whatever. And so, uh, so he works out me all summer. He's grinding. We're competing. We get at each other and uh, we're playing against um, a team with a player that ended up going to Syracuse. Josh Wright was his name. And he was a stud in high school. Uh, we played him twice. He had like 45 both times. And uh, 
down by 20. So coach, uh, our coach is like, whatever, put the subs in. He puts the subs in. They start coming back. We get it to like, we get it to like eight. And my boy gets a kick out three in the corner to cut it to like five or someone where it's like the roof is going to blow off the place right in front of our student section. He shoots it. And I only know this because we've ran it on slow-mo literally a thousand times. He shoots it and everybody stands up from the corner and it hits the top of the backboard (laughs) and like bounces out. And you're just like, Oh my God, you know? Um, But he grinded in the summer, you know what I mean? And, And for that, it didn't, it didn't really, make game success, but he, um, you know, he got a spot on the team and was part of something special. So, yeah. I mean, you seem like a pretty straightforward guy. I, how do you have that discussion with kids where you like, you know, Hey, this vision that you have, maybe we need to need to rein it in a little bit. Yeah. It depends on the type of person. Mm-hmm. Um, because you'll have some, like, uh, you'll have some high school kids that can, can go back and forth with you and talk and really like take a little bit and, you know, I've had, I've had conversations with kids. Like we had a kid who actually helps me work some camps and he was, he averaged like, I don't know, like uh, 19 points a game as a junior. And then he was saying how he was going to average 30 a game his senior year. And you're like, you know, and some of us were like, you know, you know how hard it is to get 30 a game. And then like another one of our trainers would be like, dude, I'd be happy with you like staying at 20, but adding like two or three more assists a game. Like you're not even <laughs> thinking about it. Right. You know? So like guys like that, you can really be like, dude, you're delusional. You're out of your mind. Like, here's what I would be aiming for. But other people, it's more of like a gentle conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, And to be honest with you, some it's not, you don't, there's some players that are so far gone, whether it's people in their ear or what they just really think that you just try to help them as best you can. A conversation won't help. So all you do is you try and prepare them within the on-court workouts. You're, you know, telling them, you're slipping things in on what you think they need to do, even if they don't think it. And then you just hope for the best. You uh, brought up uh, your daughter and I know this is something that basketball coaches face. So, I mean, how have you been kind of approaching the game with, uh, with her? It was my favorite thing right now. So so it's, I've been saying for a while, like uh, I, so I have a couple NBA trainer or players that, that I work with. And then, um, I'm coaching my daughter's third grade team. And to me, there's something about those two extremes. Like one, like, like half our (laughs) girls couldn't even reach the basket. You know what I mean? And they've never played in a game. So like the, the first there's, we have another team of the same age group. And so we scrimmage one day after practice. And the first question was one of the girls, like there's six, you know, there's six hoops in the gym. She's like, are we using all six hoops? And I'm like, (laughs) okay, we got to take it back. We got to take it back to the start. But, um, but just that dynamic of like the NBA, there's so much on the line literally millions of dollars every single year for these players. Um, And then the teaching the kids, the game. And I feel like in between there from like seventh grade to 12th grade, something happens where it's all about like expectations and scholarships and chaos. And it's like overwhelming. And I like working with the two extremes, but um, uh, I, I've been learning a lot with um, I went in with everybody's going to play the same amount. Um, you know, I don't yell. So there's no like punishment. Like, you know what I mean? Like I don't yell. Um, I'm just going to try and teach them and get them better. I told the girls, I'm like, we're going to start here at the bottom and we're going to get up here by the end of the year. Um, and that's with everything, listening, being part of a team, all that stuff. So, uh, I've learned that you have to be disciplined. You have to discipline them. (laughs) Otherwise they won't, (laughs) they, they won't stop talking. They won't listen. So I'm starting to get better with that. Um, but then also too, 
they can, they can um, progress so fast. I mean, literally in two weeks, we, we went, we've been playing for like a month. We went from five girls can reach the hoop to all 10 can, can make a basket now, which is like crazy. Um, and so we, we focus on not traveling, not double dribbling. I, I have like one out of bounds play that I drew up in a huddle and they ran it right. Like, which is really cool. And we just try to manipulate because, you know, they can't pass really right now. They don't know how to get open. So we're doing a lot of small sided games that instead of me telling them exactly what to do, um, it's inherently just moving, passing, finding space, um, things like that. So I'm learning a lot and it's a, it's a really, it's a really good opportunity for me to learn because when you go back to the complete basics, I think it helps you when you get to the older players and you're like, wait a second, look at their, look at their shooting base. Look at how they're taking life. Like you can see it clearly, like they've skipped so many steps and gotten complex too soon. So um, it's been awesome. How important are small-sided games in what you do? Uh, really important. I mean, that's, you know, we have our college players in, unless they're specifically in for a one-on-one where we're, we're uh, working on sh- uh, like shooting mechanics or something like that um, or something specific. I mean, we go, we do quick ball handling and maybe some finishing to warm up. We get our 15 minutes of shooting in and then we're, we're three on three pretty much the rest of the time. Um, and whether that's three on three advantage or it's FIBA three on three um, with actions that, you know, Hey, you got to get, you know, a, a ball screen pinned down uh, before you get a shot or things like that. Um, it's just playing the game. I just, the more that I watch the game, the more it's apparent that players don't necessarily know how to play. And at every level, you're always going to have kids that are just like more athletic or skilled and, can play outside of that framework. But for most players, um, you know, the 90% of players that aren't the top 10% in their whatever conference or, you know, or leagues, you got to understand how to play. You got to understand how to make quick decisions. You got to understand how to space the floor. You have to simplify your defensive game so you can keep somebody in front. Um, and, And you lose out on that if you're going to an hour workout and you're not doing anything live. Like I was thinking the other day, if you watch a game, any level, it doesn't matter, like how players struggle with keeping somebody in front of them, just one-on-one. And um, at the end of, at the end of one of our sessions, a couple of weeks ago, um, I let the kids play. I'm like, yo, just play one-on-one King of the Mountain, uh, five seconds to shoot it. Cause I don't like giving dribble limits and, uh, and let's see who has the most points. And I'm watching them like, what could possibly be a better drill? for keeping your player in front than just straight up one-on-one like, like, and, and if you get scored on, you're off. So the incentive of like, I got to sit in a stance and guard, you want to be lazy or I'd be lazy. And then the guy makes a shot or drives right by you. So um, they're huge. It's because you're teaching the game within it. You know, it's not isolated skill work. So um, you had a tweet and this is where I like reached out to you because it really spoke to me. And in that tweet, it was part of a series. He said, uh, but in this tweet, you said, while players may be more skilled than ever, the understanding of how to play the game is at an all time low. We, uh, we put more emphasis on the individual skill than team play competing accountability. So can you break down, uh, you've talked a lot about team play. So maybe like that competing and accountability, like how are you emphasizing that through your, uh, through your training? Um, 
Yeah. So, so any live drill inherently, I think, uh, invites competing. Um, so that's why we go live a lot or we'll make, if we're doing like a finishing drill, um, you know, like I had to get creative during the pandemic cause we couldn't have anybody near each other. So we would do our finishing with like one player on each elbow and they'd start with the dribble in place. And then I'd say, go. And it's like, all right, first one to finish gets the point. You only get one shot. So, so you're doing your finishing, but they're speeding each other up because they're competing against each other and you're building in like, Hey, everything we do, I'm trying to win. I'm not just going through the motions. Um, so, so that inherently does that. Um, and you can build it up too as a, as, as a coach, you know, this, you, you start talking a little trash to the players and then you kind of see, right. You kind of see, okay, can they bounce back from something? Um, you know, can they, can they handle winning or are they going to, you know, go up two games to none and then all of a sudden fall apart because they think they have it won. So, um, uh, we build that in obviously with anything live, the accountability is, is relationships and culture. Like you just know, um, you know, it's funny. So like my dad's team, uh, I've, I've done this forever. I I've said, listen, anytime your guys want to come to one of our workouts, come, you don't, you know, you don't have to pay. I'm not worried about it. We probably, we've probably over 10 years gotten like 10 players who come to our stuff. And I think part of it is um, they know they're going to be held accountable and working out is fun when, you know, everybody's, uh, everybody's in a good mood. You do what you want. You miss a layup. So what? But when you know you got to go in and work, there's not, there's not a ton of players that are grinders like that, you know? Um, so, so we've built that, you know, if you're in our gym, you're, you're, you're going to be held accountable. You're going to compete. Um, and it's not just going to be, you're coming in and shooting, you know, jump shots all day. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I've got a couple more questions for you. I really appreciate mm -hmm. your time. This yeah. one I thought of is kind of a quick fire. So a, co a head coach asks, what can I do in practice to improve? And so I've got a, a list here and just, uh, you know, your quick, uh, response on what you would tell that coach. So, yeah. uh, what can I do in practice to improve dribbling? Uh, so I've been doing live ball handling one-on-one. -on -one. So we go full court one-on-one, -on -one, but the play ball handler has to um, get two stops in before they get to the opposite three-point line. So you're working on handling the ball against pressure, stopping and being controlled, and then re-attacking. Um, for me, that's that's been the best because that's like the most high-pressure ball handling situation you can be in. So if you master that, you can master all the other stuff. All right. What can I do in practice to improve passing? We got a couple live passing drills. So I think uh, like we have like a box one, elbow, elbow, block, block, or all offense. So four players and two players are in the paint and you're snapping the basketball. You can't hold it for more than a second. Um, and you're going to see how many deflections the defense gets. Um, but it's quick. You have to scan on the catch. You have to scan, use your eyes, pass fakes. Um, but a lot of times it's, it's that they have to pass against players, but then also any moving passing. So like if you're doing a shooting drill that let's just say is like corner drifts, well, have that passer at the top instead of just snapping a pass, one dribble, snap it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. What can I do in practice to improve shooting? I just had a conversation with the coach about this too, because they're struggling. And so like for me, it would be a progression. Are you getting enough reps? Are you having enough time doing it? If so, and it's still, you know, not working. Okay. Are you, um, are you doing like unscripted shooting? 
So we do like two on zero, like where the player doesn't know when they're getting the shot. They're getting a shot. They just don't know when. And it's multiple layers because that's a little more game like. Um, And then if that's not working, then you go to like live and you do like a two on one where, you know, wing corner, one defender closes out. So you throw it, they close it out and that guy can shoot it or they swing it one more for another shot. Just game reps, right? Because some people just need reps, right? Because they're good shooters, but others still need they're not good game shooters so they need to actually have uh uh shots in practice where they're being guarded and they don't know when the shot's coming all right what can i do in practice to improve finishing around the rim contact so we do um uh, simple you could just put a player on your hip you're at the elbow we call it like race to the rim and you could go live or just contact we like to go live offense drives it defense is kind of just pushing them out and you're working on two feet you know, through the contact, whatever the finish is, but you're doing it with contact and like, and length again, just getting game reps in. Yeah. I think uh, I got that series from basketball immersion. Didn't you do uh, yes. something for them on that? Yep. Yeah. I've, I've used that and it's been uh, great for our girls. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Uh, what can I do in practice to improve off ball movement? Yeah. So we do. So you know, it's so funny, like so much of this can just be solved with three on three, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, and just like easy concepts. So what we try to do with our players for off ball movements is simplify it for them. So basically like ball handler drives, right. You're moving, right. Um, and then if you're moving right and there's space somewhere else, you redirect into that space. So, so literally we'll just, you know, we'll do like drive and kick. Uh, we won't even go three on zero we'll just do it off of initial action. Like what we call like three on three advantage. So uh defender starts on the offense's hip. They drive it. Players have to move off. Right. Um, that's the simplest and that isolates it, you know? So it's only, you know, that one person is working on the, on that movement. All right. And then uh, one last uh, one final one with this uh, quick fire. What mm-hmm. can I do in practice to improve defense? Yeah. Energy and effort. Right. Yeah. You know that, I mean, <laughs> Just like, God, man, can you just focus and like sit in a stance and give me as much energy as, as you can? I mean, my college coaches always say the players are going to do what you emphasize. So, so, you know, if you emphasize defense and you hold them accountable for it, they're going to start. Kids are smart. They're going to start doing it, you know? All right. I got uh, one last question for you. What's yeah. something that you believed when you first started coaching uh, and developing and uh, that you've reversed your thinking on? Hmm. That's a good one. Um, so I think just off the top of my head, I just think my, my whole like philosophy and training style has, has changed because we used to do so like in 2009, when I started, I couldn't pick up my phone and type in dribble moves and literally get a million videos (laughs) for free, you know? And so there was value in you know, I can, I can like vividly remember a couple players that came in and I showed them like a dribble move that just puts you under control, but also like shifts the defender and then options off of it. And then, and that being their staple go-to off the dribble and literally changing their game. Um, and so now I, you, like if I, a player now, I, I want to get better at, a, at a, a through the legs, they could type that in and literally get a video like, 50 through the legs combinations to get by your defense, you know, like, so I, the value for me isn't in that. And that's why it's more like, I'd rather just be called a coach. I think the value is this generation lacks competitiveness. 
you know, and I see a lot of people talk about all I can, all I can work on, uh, work from is coaches, high school, college, pro. It's the same thing over and over again. And, you know, I asked my buddy who's an assistant coach, um, at a mid-major school. I said, Hey, how many players are in your rotation that don't compete? And he was like, they all compete. If they didn't compete, they didn't, they wouldn't play. I said, okay, how many of the guys in your rotation struggle shooting the ball? He's like, probably like three. I said, okay, but they're in your rotation. And he's like, yeah. I said, okay, so what's more important skill for a player to have to be competitive or to, or to be able to shoot the ball? Because it seems like if, if you're not competing and you're not competitive, that there's 0% chance of you playing, you know? And so that's what, for me, that's now what this generation needs. So that's what we're going to build. And then we're going to obviously take care of all the other stuff on there too. The accountability, the, you know, the basketball stuff, sitting in a stance, guarding, being able to make shots. Um, you know, the other stuff is like, like, I, I'm sure like, you know, this as a coach, like, if a player, you want the player to get two feet in the paint on offense, if you get inside the defense, good things happen. Why would you care what, what jab series move they use to get there or dribble move they use to get there? All you care about is they can quickly and efficiently, efficiently get there. So to me, that's the player's realm. Like player, like you decide whatever move you want. And if you, hey, you want to try a couple different, I'm fine, but you better get your butt into the paint quickly off the dribble. That's what I'm here to tell you. The other stuff I can help you figure out if you can't figure it out on your own, you know? Yeah, so no, I think I, that's it. Oh, yeah, no, okay. I, I, uh, yeah, I was just going to say a great point is that, uh, you know, I get some, and I was talking to some other coaches about this is that kind of the expectations of uh, a practice have changed quite a bit. And so with ours, yeah, we aren't spending a whole lot of time with uh, one on zero stuff for teaching kind of moves and stuff like that. It's more about the concepts. And then ultimately I found that, Hey man, if you can just get the ball into the paint <laughs> that yeah. we can do that. And then the, you know, we have a girl that uh, is just amazing ball handler, but those are things that I couldn't teach her. It, she's yeah. just played a lot of basketball and she's just gifted athletically that she's able to do these things. Whereas I've got other girls that, you know, might go on and play college basketball, but if I'd spent time like trying to teach them how to do that, yeah. um, they would really struggle with it. And then two, I don't know how often they'd actually use it in a game. Right. And that's right. So like, so this is where my whole, my whole like disconnection like happened. So, so there's, tr listen, I I'm good with whatever, what, whatever a player wants to do and a trainer wants to do if they think it's getting better i'm good with everything there's more than one ways to skin a cat right so like um but i just choose like a hybrid of like we're gonna go live but i also see the value in like slowing it down and and really understanding stuff and and like so if we have a kid that is only goes to trainers let's say and then like doesn't spend time on his own um uh doing stuff like he doesn't get those one-on-zero reps that you would get on your own Right. And those are like almost the most valuable reps. So sometimes we do have to add that in there. I see value in yeah. all that stuff. Right. But like my disconnection happens when, you know, you see, you see a trainer and with a player that's solid, it happened with an NBA guy. So, so I know a trainer, he trains an NBA guy, uses them for his promo stuff. And they do all types of ball handling skill work, like all types. And whether I agree with all of it, some of it, none of it doesn't matter. And so I'm, I'm watching the, some of the videos the one day and it's like, 
a million dribbles, which again, get better at ball hitting. I don't care. But I go, I wonder how many, I just watched the guy play against my client, Kevin Herter. And I said, I wonder how many times this guy dribbles in a game. And so I just found the stat on NBA.com and the guy dribbles 0.8 times every time he touches the ball. And he's literally like started some games like fringe is, is like on the fringe of like, could he be a starter and make 12 million? Is he going to be out of the league in a couple of years? He's like that sense. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, someone's really got to explain to me how, how that his whole offseason training isn't doing him a huge disservice. Well, coach, I really appreciate your time. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. This was great. I feel like it flew by. 